I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Well, okay, sure. Follow the leader. But you gotta choose the right leader. It's high noon for Wednesday, October 6th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcotour.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. Today is the 259th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half dead, demented, degenerate ventriloquist dummy fake proxy president Joe Biden, who was overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. The television told you utopia was just ahead so long as you followed the right people. And so you did. And here you are in utopia where everything is just perfect, just unicorns of every gender sniffing each other and then going back to eating psychedelic colored flowers while tiny children upgraded with the latest in healthcare technology discuss how much better everything is now that there are no races. It's just like you wanted it. So why are all of you so sad? And why are all of you so confused? You still have the television. Just watch it then you'll totally know what's going on and everything they say is going to be reflected in your real life. You will experience it just by walking out the door. Everything they say will match up exactly. And then finally, everything will be okay. But if you're the type of commie who has begun to realize that none of that is ever going to happen, and in fact... Everything the television tells you is wrong and everyone they told you to listen to is actually just constantly trying to trick you so they can escape criminal charges for being traitors to their country. And I know that sounds like I'm joking. I'm not. Maybe it's time for you to consider migrating back to America. Just leave all those stupid and evil communist ideas behind. And you know the ones I'm talking about. I'm talking about all those things that you heard on TV and you convinced yourself had to be true because believing them made you seem like a good person to other people who only knew things because the television said them. If that's not good enough for you anymore, okay, just migrate back. We'll all welcome you with open arms. You just have to make your amends with all those people you've bullied and shamed and annoyed and tried to censor, tried to get fired from their jobs. You're going to have some apologizing to do. But at that point, everybody's going to be like, okay, we get it. You were misled. You got confused. I know you don't want to be that person. So come on back to America and help us restore this country to the way it's supposed to be. And with that, I would love to extend a warm Wednesday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies! And welcome. Welcome to the show. Stick around with me a few more days, probably next week, maybe a little bit of that week after. Who knows that week after that's going to be haywire. But by that point, you'll be like, oh, wait a second. I'm I'm an American again. What happened before? It'll be like you're waking up from a slumber or uh, a hangover. 
And it'll probably feel like that. Maybe you'll even have like the occasional withdrawal symptoms because you're like, uh, where is Chris Hayes? Why does Don Lemon seem so stupid now? It's going to be a little bit disconcerting. But after that, I promise you, you're going to be just fine. And the biggest revelation that you're going to eventually have on the way back to America is, uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, this guy, this guy is not president. This guy's not president at all. And I think he knows he's not president. That's what, and notwithstanding some of the signs I saw, Kim, that's why 81 million Americans voted for me. The largest number of votes in American history. Now, we've been talking about the NBA a fair amount recently with the handful of basketball players who are stepping up and saying, no, they're not going to get vaccinated and speaking out about why they're not going to get vaccinated. So I'm going to use that NBA analogy once again, right here. First off, let's just understand that if that was an NBA game, the number of people in the audience would be reflective of the sort of game where a team with a, hmm, Five and 76 record is playing its final game of the season and is down 75 points with six seconds left. And there's only four people left in the crowd and all of them are fans of the other team. (laughs) That's basically where Joe Biden is when he goes to these events. There were about 12 people there and all of them clapped, which is, I guess, very polite. Of course, they're all criminals and they're just hoping that no one finds out. So they have to make the man in front of them look legitimate. Now, the real part of the NBA analogy is this. I would argue that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. And it's not close. And LeBron is not in second because LeBron is a communist and will eventually be out of that conversation altogether. Kobe Bryant is second. Or maybe it's one of those classic players like Magic or Bird or Bill Russell or Wilt Chamberlain. And also, it's definitely not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because he's a communist and he's going to be out of the conversation, too. Sorry, Kareem. It is what it is. No one told you to become a commie, except maybe they did. Maybe maybe they paid you off or maybe they knew a few things about you. If you were Michael Jordan, the greatest player ever, you wouldn't often have to go around telling people that you won six championships, that you won a bunch of scoring titles, that you were the MVP a lot of times, that you made the all-defensive first team a whole bunch of times, that you were even Defensive Player of the Year a couple times. You're Michael Jordan. Everyone knows that. Joe Biden is trying to claim that he got the most votes of anyone of all time. Now, if you're to believe the numbers, that is what the numbers say. So Joe Biden could make some sort of case for this if only everyone listening to him was a rock-dumb communist. And let's be honest, that's what he expects. Certainly everyone at that event pretending Joe Biden was in fact the president was a rock-dumb communist. One of the ways to tell that is that half of them are wearing masks. The other half are too dumb to realize that they're supposed to wear masks for the photo op and instead are just thinking about how they don't have to wear masks because they're not on camera. So they wait until after and then they end up on camera and you're like, oh, yeah, none of these people are wearing masks. They know masks don't work, but they actually believe that they're modeling good behavior for other people. So now only half of them are in masks and they've accomplished No possible goal of the masks whatsoever. Whoops. The amusing part of that little clip is the fact that Joe Biden felt like he had to say this in the first place. The reason he had to say it in the first place is because on his drive to that location in Michigan where he spoke to those 12 people, he passed a long stretch of cars and people and signs, the majority of which said either Trump won or 
let's go Brandon, which I think by now we all take to mean fuck Joe Biden. Imagine being a fake president who knows he cheated and then driving through a country every few weeks when he is let out of the basement and realizing that the rest of the country knows he cheated too and figuring that he can just get out of it by saying that he is the most popular president ever on television while 12 people clap. Joe Biden is not competent at being an illegitimate dictator who stole power in a slow-moving communist coup. He can't even get that right. He went to this event to shill for Klaus Schwab's Build Back Better plan. And he kept referring to it as his plan. My Build Back Better plan. My Build Back Better plan. Build Back Better, I've said this a million times, is only global communism, okay? That phrase was from Klaus Schwab. The Great Reset is the plan that he's talking about. The Great Reset is Build Back Better. Build Back Better is the Great Reset. This is not money to make America better. It's not money to improve the lives of America's citizens. It's money to bankrupt the country so that there is no other choice but to enter global communism. The idea is to raise the price of everything, eliminate all sorts of unwanted jobs, call the population, and then restrict the freedom of everyone so that they are forced to serve the state or else be essentially exiled from society. The state will provide you whatever you need, of course, if you comply with everything they want you to do. And by supply you with whatever you need, what they mean is you will have a tiny little home in a building with all sorts of other homes. It will be roughly like staying at an overnight kennel. Like, you know, if you take your dog to to the, the doggy hotel, the doggy daycare, you leave your dog off there and your dog gets to stay in a like three foot by three foot crate for six days. That's what your life will be like forever. But no one will be barking around you. It'll just be other humans and you will only have to see these other humans when you open your door for delivery food. Otherwise, just stay at home, watch Netflix, play video games, have relationships with virtual partners, and talk to friends through a portal on the wall. That will be your life. That is the Great Reset. You will own nothing and like it. Your clothes will be clothes that you are allotted by the state. If you need new clothes, they might give you new clothes, or you might just keep wearing your old clothes. It depends on how much you comply. You might comply enough and you might be attractive and uh, worthy of other people's attention to the point where the state will give you nicer things as they do now. But more or less, that's going to be the life that the Great Reset will give the vast, vast majority of people. There will be a working class that works in factories and farms, and they also get to live at those places. It's almost like a... Uh, a camp where certain varieties of people are, are concentrated. And in that, well, let's call it a concentration camp. They will work producing products for the biggest corporations in the country that the government will of course own and then give out to the citizens based on whoever most deserves it by serving the state. That's the global reset. Do you understand now? Of course, if you are in the 1% of the 1%, then you might get to stay there so long as you serve the state in a really important way. And that'll be a very glorious future for 1% of 1% of people. Uh, maybe we can bend just a, a bit with the estimation and say it's a full 1%. I'll even give you 2%. So, 
2% of the population gets to live a more luxurious version of that life. And they will get to choose what to do in within a set of possibilities, right? You'll be able to travel to XYZ places, but it's just those places. And you'll be able to have XYZ experiences in those places, but it's just those experiences. You'll be free, but just within a certain boundary, unless you're way up there. And then you're free within a much bigger boundary, but ultimately you still got to be serving the state at all times. So Joe Biden just traveled to Michigan to speak to union workers about the Great Reset, pretending that it's just all of the priorities that Democrats have had the entire time. They're not going to raise taxes on you, just so you know, unless you make over $400,000. And he implies that it's individual, but is it going to be per couple? Yeah. And does that only count the taxes they raise by law? Yes. Again, yes. Does it count all of the various ways they will strip middle upper middle and lower middle class Americans of their economic prosperity. No, it doesn't. They will raise the prices on everything, absolutely everything, food, gas, housing, energy costs, clothing, education, everything, everything you can imagine will cost more, but don't worry They'll give you money for this stuff so long as you do every single thing they say. Now, you're not going to own any of the stuff that you have, but they'll let you borrow it if you behave well. So this is what Joe Biden is out there talking about. And he is trying to explain that even though it's obvious to him and everyone else in the entire country that he is absolutely hated by everyone, he is actually also still the most popular president of all time. That, my friends, is leadership. And just one more word about uh, you'll own nothing and like it. If you are a materialist and you are committed to materialism as a philosophy, the idea that you are existing on this mortal plane for a limited time and your purpose outside of your needs for survival is mostly just centered around the pleasure that you can extract from this physical world and from interactions and from your own mind, then you'll own nothing and like it sounds like a never-ending vacation. Like it sounds like a decent deal. Oh, I don't have to do everything. They'll give me money. They'll give me a place to live. They'll make uh, all these entertaining things that I can spend my time enjoying. They will be able to alter my physicality in certain ways so that my mood can be permanently enhanced. I will always be in contact with other sentient beings through social media. It's going to be great. And I will just live out my life, enjoying myself for the most part. And then I'll die. And as long as you don't experience any sort of existential dread that the upgrades in your physical body and brain can't fix, well, then you're just going to have a whale of a time, except there's a pretty strong chance that you might experience some existential dread living the same day over and over and over again with no actual purpose in life other than experiencing the same pleasures again and again and again. Although let's be honest, they would have to be in continually more heightened ways or else they wouldn't be pleasure anymore. You would build up a tolerance to pleasure like anything else. And once you've built up a tolerance to pleasure, you need more and more extreme sorts of pleasure 
to be able to achieve the same mental state. And that's when you begin to realize that fulfilling all of your material needs might not actually be the worthy pursuit in your life that you expect it is. Now, speaking of those very close emotional bonds you will be expected to have in this world based on the fact that you are always in contact with other probably really existing sentient beings, let's discuss this uh, fake Facebook whistleblower just one more time, just for a second. This was reported in a lot of places yesterday, but uh, Kyle Becker does a great job always, uh, beckernews.com, so I figured I'd highlight him today. Uh, Facebook whistleblower has ties to group behind Trump's first impeachment, Jen Psaki's former PR firm. Isn't that amazing? This real, genuine Facebook whistleblower got a hold of these documents wanted to save the American people from this predatory corporation. And so she has come forward. But here we go. As earlier predicted by Becker News, the Facebook whistleblower, Frances Hogan, called for more censorship during her Senate testimony on Tuesday. I am here today because I believe that Facebook's products harm children, stoke division and weaken our democracy, she said in opening remarks. The company's leadership knows how to make Facebook and Instagram safer, but won't make the necessary changes because they have put their astronomical profits before people. Congressional action is needed. They won't solve this crisis without your help. Yesterday, we saw Facebook get taken off the Internet. I don't know why it went down, but I know that for more than five hours, Facebook wasn't used to deepen divides, to stabilize democracies and make young girls and women feel bad about their bodies. We can have social media we enjoy that connects us without tearing apart our democracy, putting our children in danger and sowing ethnic violence across the world. We can do better. God, what a hero. This lady's insane. Who could even say all that with a straight face? Honestly, of course, Hogan called for action, quote, now and implored Congress to regulate political speech online, although this would be a flagrant violation of the First Amendment. Congress can change the rules Facebook plays by and stop the many harms it is now causing, she claimed. Hagen not only worked the 2020 election censoring Americans questioning the results, she also worked on, quote, tracking Chinese participation, end quote, on Facebook, including the Chinese government's police state tactics. My team directly worked on tracking Chinese participation on the platform, surveilling, say, Uyghur populations in places around the world. You could actually find the Chinese based on them doing these kinds of things. We also saw active participation of, say, the Iran government doing espionage on other state actors, she added. Hagen, of course, lamented the national security issue of Facebook's consistent understaffing of counter-espionage and counter-terrorism teams. I have strong national security concerns about how Facebook operates today, Hagen said. Hagen's connections to the Democrat Party establishment run deep. Hogan, the National Pulse recently reported, gave at least 36 donations to left-wing candidates and causes. She also has connections to White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki's former PR firm Bryson Gillette, where Psaki worked as a senior advisor until September 2020. The Center for Humane Technology, a group pushing for Facebook to more tightly regulate political content, was one of Psaki's clients, according to ethics filings obtained by the Daily Wire. Despite having money for political donations, in January 2020, Hagen had a $44,000 federal tax lien placed against her for unpaid taxes, according to public records reviewed by the Daily Wire. The lien was released on May 17, 2021. Her lawyers are now seeking to raise $50,000 on GoFundMe, money they say will go to covering legal expenses for the attorneys who are otherwise working pro bono. Those lawyers are Whistleblower Aid, a group founded by Mark Zaid who previously represented the national security official who alleged that Donald Trump inappropriately pressed the Ukraine president on a phone call to, in turn, investigate whether Joe Biden inappropriately pressed the country to drop an investigation into his son's firm, Burisma. The plot thickens. The Facebook whistleblower, who is not actually a whistleblower, is tied through an advocacy group to the Trump impeachment whistleblower, who was not actually a whistleblower. 
The latter individual's identity, according to a recent book, is self-admittedly Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman. Hagen is also currently coordinating with Democratic operative Bill Burton and his consulting firm, Bryson Gillette. The Facebook whistleblower who revealed herself in a 60 Minutes interview is getting strategic communications guidance from a top Democratic operative, according to a source with direct knowledge of the relationship, which was confirmed by another half dozen sources with indirect knowledge of the partnership, the Washington Free Beacon reported. Francis Hogan, the former Facebook employee who has for the past 10 months fed internal documents to a top Wall Street Journal reporter and who revealed her identity in a primetime broadcast on Sunday, is working with the political consultant and former Obama administration deputy press secretary Bill Burton and his consulting firm Bryson Gillette. The free beacon continued. It is unclear when Hogan's relationship with Burton and Bryson Gillette began, how big her communications team is and whether it includes other political operatives. But Burton is now deeply integrated with an emerging infrastructure on the left comprised of individuals and organizations, including the nonprofit Center for Humane Technology, seeking to press Facebook to more aggressively police political content, the report added. The Facebook whistleblower's remarks come amidst a Democratic Party push to paint concerned parents who reject critical race theory being taught in school as domestic terrorists and MAGA tourists at the January 6th riot as insurrectionists, even as the FBI had found no centrally coordinated plot to overturn the 2020 election results. Okay, so I just want to hit something on this last paragraph for a second. There were reports out today about how Merrick Garland's son-in-law has a company that actually profits off the spread of critical race theory in schools across the country. So a lot of people are presenting that today as if that is the motivator for Merrick Garland's Justice Department to pursue action and threats and intimidation against parents wanting to stick up for their kids at their school board meetings. Man, I have no doubt that that's part of it, and I am not doubting this report at all. I just think that that is kind of a get-out-of-jail-free card as far as what the real agenda here seems to be. I mean, yes, it's possible that Merrick Garland would go to these lengths to protect his son-in-law's profit margins. It's possible. But these people are all generally corrupt together regardless. The real motivation to me would seem to be protecting the system that they have where they basically just inject Soros uh, communists into school boards across the country so that they can change what school children around the country are actually learning and create policy that serves one of their biggest political allies, which is the teachers unions. To me, it seems like them preserving all of the school board positions that they have kind of weaseled their way into over the past few decades, that seems like it is probably a much greater priority than, you know, making his son-in-law an extra $100,000 or 200 or whatever it is, even if it's millions. The top-down project seems to be the more important thing to hold on to here. And it seems like a cheap distraction to me for people to be going off on this, oh, he's saving his son-in-law's profits story. But back to the Facebook thing, right? So the last couple of days, I've talked about how it is pretty clear that this whistleblower is not a real whistleblower in any way whatsoever. She has brought no new information to light. All right. People have been talking about the harms these platforms cause to the psyches of teenage girls for years, honestly, years. I think I probably heard about this stuff for the first time in maybe I don't know, 2016 or 2017. It's not new stuff. The platforms have been bad for people for a long time. Teenage suicide rates have risen. I can't even remember how long ago it was when people like Tristan Harris started talking about this pretty publicly. This is not whistleblowing. And you could tell in Facebook's statement yesterday that Facebook wasn't even upset about this. Of course, they have to disavow the woman. They can't be like, oh, no, we sent her out there. But their conclusion was the same as her conclusion, which is congressional action is needed to fix this problem. 
And what we need is more censorship and more regulation. And both the whistleblower and Facebook made it clear that what they don't want and they don't think we need is for Facebook to be blown up and for WhatsApp and Instagram to be separated off. Facebook doesn't want to be broken up and they also don't want to lose their Section 230 immunity. Those are the two real priorities. What are they promoting with this fake whistleblower? They're promoting congressional action and regulation toward censorship, more censorship. Now, more censorship is a political goal for the Uniparty and especially for the Democrat Communist Party. And that's obvious. They're pulling that on every possible level. Even Merrick Garland's letter or memo, I guess, about the parents around the country is an effort to stifle free speech, which is some form of censorship. It's censorship via intimidation. That's not good enough for the tech companies right now. And so I was thinking about this and I want to just put this on your plate. You can think about it and tell me what you think. Tell me if you think this is right. Think about it for yourself. It seems to me that what Facebook ultimately wants is a mechanism by which the Congress can censor other platforms. All right. So you look at something like Gab or Getter or Telegram. Gab has no restriction on free speech whatsoever. Getter restricts free speech a little bit, but only if it's like fairly extreme, right? And Telegram is pretty open, but you can never tell exactly what it is that they try to limit. All of those communication methods are a threat to the Democrat Communist Party and a threat to the global communist movement. The entire point is that they don't want the American people or the people of the world to know what they are doing. All right. Their program only works if the people don't know what's happening. If the people get all their information from the mainstream media and from censored tech platforms, people will believe the wrong things which will allow them to continue to believe that their government is actually working in their interest when it decidedly is not all right. Free speech platforms are their worst nightmare and free speech platforms have been their biggest problem throughout this pandemic period. They thought that they could do it with what the platforms were already doing. People got sick of that and they moved to other platforms you got to remember when we're talking about the party of false decorum, two of the main features are the interplay that all of them have between their narcissism and their incompetence. All right. They all think that their decisions are going to run the world, that their plan is perfect. They believe in the science and the data. They make their little plans and they think everyone else is going to obey. They don't realize that other people aren't interested in obeying them. Other people aren't interested in being like them. And other people don't think that what they're doing is good. Other people are not going to go along. Other people can see that the global communists are actually incompetent. The global communists would be able to realize their own incompetence if they weren't so narcissistic, they could look at all of this and see, wow, our entire plan has failed. But instead, they look at it as, oh, I guess we got to plug that hole. I guess we got to plug that hole. I guess we got to plug that hole. And we can do that with the media and with the censorship and with some money, some compromise and some corruption. We'll just plug all these little holes and we'll just keep on going. That's not working. So platforms like Getter and Gab and Telegram are huge threats to them. Now, if they aren't becoming publishers, then Section 230 isn't something they need. They just allow the free speech and they don't take 
responsibility for what's on their platform because it's not them putting it up. So how are they supposed to get all these other platforms shut down when they spend most of their time pretending that these other platforms don't exist? I mean, Telegram just gained 70 million users during Facebook's outage the other day. And I imagine that that's going to continue to build. And, you know, the last time I signed on to Signal, there was like 15 new friends in my contact book who had joined Signal. You know, the media and the communists tried to take down 4chan and 8chan and 8kun by talking about how they were all like hotbeds of white supremacist violence. And people kind of believed them at the beginning and that tapered off. And now no one believes that stuff. They try with the school shootings. Who knows? There was a school shooting today. Maybe they're going to try something with that. Maybe they'll have another shooting. Try to say that it all came from Telegram or it all came from Gab or it all came from Getter. What they are trying to do is build a narrative so that Congress has to act in regulating these alternative platforms. Because as long as the alternative platforms exist, Facebook censorship, Instagram censorship, Twitter censorship, none of it's going to work. All right. They thought that we would not be able to build out a proper parallel platform in a parallel economy. Now they are realizing that that is exactly what has happened and they're trying to figure out how they can stop it. Because if everybody's on Facebook, if everybody's on YouTube and Instagram and Twitter, then they can regulate what people see and ultimately to some degree what people think. If too many people leave those platforms, that whole plan is screwed. And I would argue that that's exactly what has happened. And it happened a long time ago. Maybe they've realized this and have been trying to build up to it for a long time. But right now it's obvious. They already lost that game. And the fact that they are taking this approach means that they know it. How can you eliminate competition without affecting your own business model, your own profits and your own censorship regime? I would suggest to you that this is the path they've taken. They don't want to mess with Section 230. They don't want the company broken up. They do want other platforms censored so that their own censorship regime is effective. This seems to be the sort of scenario that they would perceive as giving them the chance to achieve the best of all possible worlds. It seems like that's what they're doing. Could I be wrong? Of course I could. But it seems like they're going this direction. And so I wanted to mention that. And now I want to talk about an actual leader whose people are following him to a better world ahead and to ultimately an American renaissance. And that, of course, is Donald John Trump. And I haven't talked a whole lot about Trump recently. But he has made a lot of really, really interesting statements this week between his Save America desk of Donald Trump press releases and the interviews he's done this week. Now, the first one I want to point out is from Monday. He was announcing the launch of Make America Great Again again. And this is a super PAC that exists to replace Make America Great Again action. And it's going to be run by Pam Bondi and Kimberly Guilfoyle. This is so Trump can support candidates he chooses across the country and then eventually fund his own campaign uh, if and when he runs again in 2024. It is interesting to me that he has opened up this new entity and has shifted focus to make America great again, again. Now, again, what I'm going to say to you is speculation. Keep that in mind. This is an observation I am making. It might prove wrong. It might prove right. It's something for you to think about. It's something I will think about. So Trump starts out in 2015, 2016. It's make America great again, right? And that was the first campaign and the first term agenda. As we draw toward the 2020 campaign, 
That changes to keep America great. After that, after he leaves the White House and allows Joe Biden to pretend to be president for a little while, that changes into save America. And it seems like he is now beginning to move into the make America great again, again. And I wonder if that means that he is ready to shift away from the save America idea. I'm going to keep an eye on that and see what happens. It seems like the pieces are really all coming together at this point. And maybe that's just my optimism speaking, but there is a whole lot going on that suggests a lot of things that that the people like me have been saying for a very long time are on the verge of proving true. So also on Monday, he released a statement about the USMCA, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. Until recently, U.S. auto companies sourced nearly all of their batteries overseas. USMCA changed that. Under the agreement, an automobile cannot qualify for duty-free treatment unless 40% of the content, 45 for a truck, is manufactured by workers earning at least $16 per hour. Advanced batteries of the kind that will power new energy vehicles comprise such a high percentage of the value of these vehicles that it will be almost impossible for auto companies to qualify them under the agreement without sourcing the batteries in the United States. And in order to take advantage of a longer transition time available under the agreement, most auto companies have committed to qualifying their entire North American fleet, regardless of where the vehicles are manufactured and traded. The result we are seeing is a renaissance in the U.S. battery production. SK Innovations announced a $2.6 billion new facility in Georgia that will open later this year. And just yesterday, SK and Ford announced an $11 billion investment in Tennessee and Kentucky. Without USMCA and the Trump administration's strong actions to push back against China's unfair trade practices, this new investment and thousands of good paying jobs that go with it would have gone to China or other low wage jurisdictions. Worker focused trade policy works for America. More of America's cars of the future will be built right here. Okay, so obviously during Trump's term, he made a major point of bringing manufacturing back to America. He talked about it endlessly, bringing those kinds of jobs back to America. Part of the reason he talked about it so much is because for years, we have been told that those jobs had left and would not ever come back. Those jobs were just gone. America doesn't make things anymore, right? How often did we hear that? America will be a service economy. It'll be an innovation economy. It'll be an ideas economy. We've heard all of those things. Manufacturing just isn't here anymore. And then automation would eliminate a ton of jobs. And then all of a sudden we need Andrew Yang, who apparently is no longer a Democrat, to come in and save us with universal basic income by pretending to tax the wealthy. Now, does universal basic income sound like it fits right into the global reset agenda? Yes. Yes, it does. So is Andrew Yang still a communist? Yes. Yes, he is. But bringing manufacturing back to America is a huge strategic advantage. Even if the manufacturing is not just in America, it's with Mexico or Brazil or, for instance, Puerto Rico, which I know is part of America, though not a state. Because Trump was talking about bringing pharmaceutical manufacturing back to Puerto Rico. So many of these things we have relied on China to make. Right now, one of the biggest crises playing out in the world is China threatening Taiwan because Taiwan is responsible for so much of the world's production of things like semiconductors and microchips. We have a strategic disadvantage there relative to China and relative to China's military posturing because we're not making something that is essential for our society to function at a high level here at home. So bringing manufacturing back is something that is extremely important. Now, if you are talking about actually initiating the Great Reset in America, 
Part of that is making Americans go broke. Part of that is making it so Americans cannot and do not have jobs. We have seen that become a problem in a lot of really important places in this country because some of those very important places are run by Democrat communist governors like Gavin Newsom in California and Andrew Cuomo and now Kathy Hochul in New York. Ports in both of those states are backed up like they've never been backed up before, which is creating all sorts of supply chain breakdowns and it's causing problems with unemployment and a bunch of other things. Those scenarios would not be as problematic if America was making all of the things it needed in America. That's not what we have. Hence the problem. Now, if your goal as part of the Great Reset and part of the global communist agenda was to have Americans unemployed and depend on other countries for the things that we really, really need, well... A good way to make sure that you can do that is to not have any manufacturing in America. The more manufacturing gets brought back, the better we are in relation to that plan. I'm going to suggest to you that this is one of those really ingenious ways that Trump and the Trump administration and those around him made moves to counteract the global reset, even while Trump's not in office. Because these trade agreements can't simply be overturned by the fake president signing a paper. And much like the regulation that Facebook is seeking, this stuff can't be accomplished without the Congress. And the Congress doesn't seem like it's going to be working with Joe Biden a whole lot on anything at this point. And by the Congress, I mean the entirety of the Congress, the House and the Senate the full legislature. So this seems like a really durable move that has protected the country and protected our economy to some degree, even without Trump in office. So yesterday in the afternoon, Trump released two more of these statements in quick succession. Both were in favor of Texas state senatorial candidates that Trump is endorsing to replace ineffectual rhinos. And, you know, they could be as rhino as the people in Georgia who are actually just Democrats being packaged as Republicans and then promoted into their positions in largely red states. You know, we've talked about this before. All of that is basically a trick. There are PR PR organizations that will support these candidates who are ostensibly Republicans, but in every way, actually just members of the Democrat communist movement. These are people like Brad Raffensperger. He is not an actual Republican. But if you know you're in a red state and you've got a total communist Democrat on one side And on the other side, you have a more moderate seeming communist Democrat with an R next to his name. Well, the people in the red state are going to vote for the communist with an R next to his name because it's the better of those two bad choices. Now, you do that over and over and over again, and we have some red states that are actually just blue states. And that's why some of these states have not pursued the election fraud, which is totally obvious. Bring this back to Texas. He endorsed a guy named Kevin Sparks and another guy named Pete Flores, both to take out rhino candidates. Now, Texas is interesting because according to analysis by Seth Keschel and others, There's quite a bit of election fraud in Texas. Seth Keschel estimates at least half a million votes, and it could be up to 1.5 or 2 million votes worth of election fraud. That is an enormous amount of fraud in one state. There are Republicans in Texas making moves to get a full forensic audit of the 2020 election in Texas. 
and that process is going slower than it should. And you can imagine that the reason that process is going slower than it should is because there is a major element of the rhino establishment in Texas. And perhaps some of those actual Democrat communists posing as Republicans in Texas as well. If Trump goes out there and starts endorsing candidates, then what he is essentially doing is announcing that all of these people are being primaried. So it's two yesterday and we'll see when the next one is. But it's quite possible that this is a warning shot and that he plans to work his way from the bottom up until he primaries and eliminates every single one of the rhinos in Texas. You would have to imagine that if you were a rhino in Texas, you would see those two endorsements and think exactly that. Like, okay, this guy's definitely hunting rhinos in Texas. And in addition to those statements, he also went on an interview with John Solomon from just the news in the afternoon yesterday. And it was maybe one of the most interesting and newsworthy Trump interviews in a very long time. I'm going to play a clip from that that I just found really direct and forceful and right to the heart of the matter. The insurrection took place on November 3rd. That was the insurrection when they rigged the election. The big insurrection, the real insurrection, the, really the crime of the century. That took place on November 3rd and not on January 6th. Yeah. And as far as compliance, they're dropping subpoena on all of your former advisors. Do you plan to invoke executive privilege, plan to fight some of these requests? Well, I'm mixed because we did nothing wrong. So I'm sort of saying, why are we hiring lawyers to do this? I'd like to just have everybody go in and say what you have to say. We did nothing wrong. They did something wrong. The investigation should be on the election of November 3rd, on the presidential election of 2020. That's what the committee should be set up for. And that should be a select committee, not an unselect committee, where we don't have even representatives on there because they didn't want our representatives. And uh, that should be a, uh, a select committee. And they should investigate the election fraud because many states had fraud, many, many states. And I won't go over it now with you, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I, I do want to mention some of those because the tide is really changing, much like Russia collusion, right? It was Russia collusion. Then there was no Russia collusion. On election, 200,000 ballots are now questioned by the Wisconsin Supreme Court, 50,000 flagged in the Arizona audit, 40,000 in DeKalb County. That was something we did last week. Now under investigation, 29 pages of problems in Fulton County. And now the secretary of state wants to take over Fulton County before he said it was a perfect election. How much are you surprised by the change? And then also, what are the next steps for you? What can you do to keep pressing this case? Well, we are pressing it, and we're going to continue to press it. And a lot of very good people say, sir, we should think to the future, think to the future. I said, well, you're not going to have a future if you don't solve the past. And we don't want the same thing to happen in 22 and 24. But, you know, they say think to the future. Some some bad ones say that, but some very good people, people that you like, I like, they really feel that way. Think to the future. But what are we going to think? We won that election by a lot. You know, those numbers that you talked about in those various states, those are all, they call it determinative. Right. They are determinative numbers. In other words, they would have changed the outcome of all of those states. And I only needed, I guess, two big ones or three small ones. And uh, But all of those states would have changed. Uh, the vote totals would have changed. Uh, think about this. Uh, where you have more votes in cases, where you have more votes than you have voters, that should have been looked at before the numbers were sent up to the Senate to be approved. That sounds to me like a man who is focused. And I am really loving how John Solomon approached that interview. First off, I think John Solomon probably has the best rapport with President Trump in terms of the interview setting. And John Solomon knows the depth of all the issues that actually surround the presidency of Donald Trump in a way that very few other reporters and interviewers do. I mean, the difference in the quality of interview here between John Solomon and someone like, sadly, Dan Bongino or Sean Hannity, it's night and day. Solomon got 
so much out of this. And it's great that he presents the facts on the ground about election fraud as if they are facts, right? And they are facts. What he said about Arizona and Georgia and Wisconsin, those are all statements of fact. This stuff has been proven. It's not questionable. All of these states could be decertified now because there is enough factual proof of fraud, which is why you have to keep an eye on court cases like the Lindell case. All right. Everybody thinks that nothing's happening, but this is all building in a direction. And we shouldn't just gloss over the fact that Donald Trump just called the November 3rd stolen election an insurrection against the United States. If you have paid attention to Patel Patriot's work on devolution, you will know what statements like that could potentially mean. And it is worth paying attention to that. If you are one of those people who thinks nothing is happening and that Trump just dropped the ball and left office, even though he knew about all the fraud, he just gave up and figured he'd focus on 2024. Man, I think you are really missing something critical. Uh, let's go to Trump's statements today, though, because he has not stopped by a long shot. This morning, he said, because the election was rigged and America now has weak and corrupt leadership, we may very well end up in a war with China who no longer respects the USA. They witnessed firsthand our television generals complete surrender to the Taliban with the loss of 13 great warriors and the handing over of $85 billion of the best and most expensive military equipment in the world. China and Russia are already reverse engineering the equipment so they can build it for themselves. The only thing the radical left Democrats who are destroying our nation are good at is rigging elections and criminal activity while always blaming the other side through corrupt prosecutors and prosecutions. Our country is in big trouble. We better get going fast. That's bold. And he's laying it all out there. You can imagine and you can believe that Donald Trump has no control over situations right now and that he has no authority about any of this. But that does not make it so. And you can listen to the mainstream news and all your Obama and Romney friends when they tell you that all of this is stupid and has no basis in reality. But once again, that does not make it so. The mainstream media is never going to pay attention to this. They are always going to attempt to marginalize it and make fun of it in hopes that no one will actually take it seriously. If the country would just fully wake up and understand what's going on, this could all be over. We are only in this position because of censorship and because of the limiting on our channels of communication and because of all the misinformation and disinformation that the propaganda state media is pushing out to our friends and neighbors every day. And here is his last statement so far today. The unselect committee of partisan Democrats and two very weak and pathetic rhinos should come to the conclusion after spending many millions of dollars that the real insurrection happened on November 3rd, the presidential election, not on January 6th, which was a day of protesting the fake election results. And they were fake results. It was a day of protesting. And we know for a fact that the violence and whatever happened that day was initiated by FBI informants and agents and corrupt criminals within the Capitol Police Force who are unaccountable to anyone. They're like Nancy Pelosi's little Praetorian Guard, and they executed the mission she laid out for them. And members of the Capitol Police have since committed suicide. And other ones have shown up weeping in congressional hearings of this very same committee that he's discussing. Now, one of the things that even smart people who are on our side, but don't have the same, let's say, faith and optimism that I have, one of the things that they always bump up against is that they still have this question in their minds, this idea that somehow Donald Trump might actually be incompetent and ineffectual 
and potentially have misjudged his opposition, made an error in judgment in the execution, and really does not have power over anything. He is just uh, a man who's kind of left blowing in the wind and arguing his own legitimacy the way we heard Joe Biden actually do yesterday in Michigan. Again, I always think that that is so, so crazy. What's happening right now is that the entire Democrat Communist Party, the entire global communist movement is being exposed, completely exposed. And ultimately, so are the supporters of those movements. The more individual citizens stand up and speak truth and they show up at a school board meeting or they show up to be on the precinct committee or run for office or they involve themselves in audit movements or canvassing projects or whatever. The more people are doing that, the more people are sharing with their neighbors what the truth of the situation actually is the more their neighbors will expose themselves by the way they choose to treat these people they interact with. Are they going to make fun of them? Are they going to marginalize them? Are they going to shame and bully them? Are they going to censor them? Are they going to try to get them fired from their jobs? These people are exposing themselves, even the supporters. The entire movement is becoming exposed. What Donald Trump is achieving by having gone through all this is something that could not have been achieved, not at all, had he just gone back into office and still been surrounded by all these snakes as he was during his first term. The amount of compromise and corruption that has been exposed since January 20th is worth all of this struggle. And I will continue to believe that the only way you can refute a statement like that is by imagining that Donald Trump really is as dumb and ineffectual as the media paints him. But then you have to go and accept that the media actually got that thing right. You know, they missed on everything else, but they got that thing right. No, they didn't get that thing right either. The mainstream media is the state media. They exist to produce propaganda to make American citizens act in a way that is contrary to their own interests based on lies. The global communist movement is at war with the people. That's us. They hate us. They want to destroy us. They didn't continuously malign Donald Trump's character and abilities for five plus years because they were looking out for us. You got to remember that the guy knows what he's doing. And I guess if you don't believe that you might as well just surrender to global communism and hope that they'll let you stick around for a while. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcouture.com. You can also go direct to that at shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. I'll see you next time out on the range. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!